Good evening and welcome to the I Spit On Your Grades presents the long-awaited two years in the making, it's not really, Inside Number Nine special. Woo! Woo! Can I get a whoop whoop? Whoop whoop! Thank you. That was fucking beautiful. <laughs> that was in harmony. Harmonised and synced. I love that. Watch out, little mix. End this episode now. <laughs> We've just slayed. As you all know, my name is Faye and I'm here this evening with Mertha. Bonjour. And Christopher. I'll read his own. Yeah. Isn't that goodbye? It is goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want people to think we're stupid? <laughs> oh my god. They've listened to us for two years. They already know we're stupid. <laughs> um we won't go into what we've been doing this week because we haven't really been doing a lot other than I'd say watching the FA Cup final, Chris. Yes. And watching Eurovision. Us. Yes. Mm. That's it. That'd have completely blown people's minds if that was the other way around. It would have gone Mercer was fully engrossed in yesterday's cup final and Chris got dressed up for Eurovision. Exactly. I mean, I didn't even know football was on yesterday. <laughs> I mean, maybe it's your secret shame. Maybe you don't want people to know that you like football and you actually secretly watch it. Honestly? 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 I think I once got into the World Cup, but that's because we were going to a pub. Wasn't really oh, yeah. about the football, it was about the pub. And we were drinking John Smith's yeah. and Blackcurrant, it like was... the dirty Yorkshireman and woman we yeah. are. It was purely an excuse to daydream. <laughs> it was, yeah, it was. That, that is always a... When the World Cup is held at a venue that allows for day drinking, when there's like a two o'clock kickoff and a four, four or five o'clock kickoff, they are the best best ones. You don't want these middle of the night South Korea games. What is your obsession with South and North Korea? <laughs> I didn't even I, I didn't even mean even think of it that way. It's just when you have it in Japan and South Korea when they're hosting it, you know games kicking off at two o'clock in the morning. And that's you can't start drinking at that point and that's too late after a night drinking during the evening games. But that's by the by, anyway. Now we've discussed some of your football, I feel it's only fair to say congratulations to the United Kingdom for coming second. Yes, and congratulations to Sam Ryder. Yes. He's got some pipes. He's got some pipes, yeah. yeah. he does. Really good. I did like his outfit. It was very um, <coughs> fabulous celestial. I, I actually love him. Like I follow him on um, Instagram, uh, watch all his music videos. Did a cheeky real duet with him once. Really? Yeah. Hang on, a real a real duet is that really TikTok? Reels. Yeah, Reels, but, which is yeah. TikTok, <laughs> yeah. right? Okay. And it was, you know, he doesn't know I did that duet with him. It, <laughs> it's 2022. I think it's about time that you just gave in to TikTok. Just embrace it. Mm. If you're watching it on the side, you might as well be getting the real thing. No, TikTok's my side chick. Your algorithm will forever be messed up until you take it under your wing. Never. Hmm. Anyway. We should anyway. probably congratulate the actual winners as well. Oh, yeah, Ukraine. Congratulations. Well deserved. Yes. And hopefully, with everything going on, they're able to put the event on next year. Fingers crossed, and we hope for all the best for I'm, them. I'm sure there'll be plenty of support if there are any issues. Exactly. Here. Yeah. Absolutely. Anywho, uh, before we dive into our favourites, shall we see what our listeners have chosen as theirs? Yeah, we should do. Thank you, everyone, for getting in contact on Twitter. Appreciate it. What I would say is there's a wide variety of people having their favourite episodes. And obviously, we're quite a few series in now, so there's a lot of episodes to choose from. But especially with... Being a horror podcast, you'd expect people to zero in mm. on those particular episodes, but not so, as we'll go through now. Also also worth mentioning, if there is any hate in these tweets, you will be blocked. And we will not be uh, we will not be liaising with you again. No no hate. So <laughs> Dan Popomatic said, bearing in mind that I haven't watched any since the Psychoville crossover, Judy and Pleasantness, and me being in my TV licence. The Devil of Christmas or Seance Time. Perhaps the letter Sorry, letter. Perhaps the latter edges it for Alice Lowe reasons. And as I say, that one gets a mention just because it reminds me of the Cold Comfort episode. Yes. With the unpleasantness, with the incident. The incident. The incident. incident. What was the incident? I don't want to mention it. I don't want to talk about it. So, yeah. So, Dan, 
don't mention the unpleasantness. Mm-hmm. Craig at CD underscore 78 says the 12 days of Christine, 29 perfect TV minutes. I love 12 days of Christine. I like it, but then again, I like all the episodes. It's yeah, not yeah. There. It's just not there with my particular favourite. Course Bride at Noel underscore Kelly says, Sorry, I haven't seen all the episodes, to my shame, but of what I've seen, it's The Devil of Christmas. I did really enjoy the recent Mr. King, too. Oh, Noel, you've got so many coming, girl. So many. So lucky. So if, to watch things for the first time again would be amazing. Yeah. But like we've said before, that also a rewatch, I think, is just as rewarding as a first time watch. As I said, there's stuff you notice in the rewatch that you didn't pick up the first time around, mm-hmm. but I won't. I won't be swayed in my belief that it does impact the enjoyment slightly when you know what's coming. Is that a negative comment, Christopher? Get out. It's clearly not. You, you're not living here anymore. It's We're clearly, divorcing. Get out. It's clearly not a negative comment. <laughs> Say, Breaking Bad, did you enjoy the episode more or less when you had it spoiled for you and you knew what was going to happen? Well, that was different. Someone spoiled it for me. I didn't find it. If I'd have watched it's different. It's apples and oranges. Anyway, Kim Morrison at Wicked Sister sixty nine says, "I think Cold Comfort or the Riddle of the Sphinx were my faves, but I had a hard time narrowing it down for Ghouls Magazine." Mm. So, if you want to check out the rest of the list and Ghouls Magazine's work, we've retweeted it as well on our timeline. So, just have a look at it and see what you think of her list, mm. and then feel free to message her and tell her what you think of her list. Get her told. No horrible messages though. No, or otherwise we'll be coming after you. Love not hate. Benzino. 420 at Matthew Benham 2. So it says, to have and to hold. Oh, to have and to hold. It plays out really well. And it, it, oh, this is going to be a hard episode to not go into every single one. But to have and to hold has a kind of midway switch. So you're quite far along in the episode before you get the impact of what's actually going on. I think that just throws you off completely. Mm. Fantastic episode. And just finally... A.V. Fields at Night Owl Writing got in touch to say, Hi, I was trying to contact you through your site but can't seem to locate it. I wanted to share details about my community-based horror project. Is there an email you feel comfortable with me having? Well, hang on to Wait, the we, end of the episode. I would say we don't normally give out our email. No, I've never, we've never... We've, we've, <laughs> we've, we've got one. <laughs> we're very secretive over our contact details. But just for you, Avi, if you wait till the end of the episode... For the first time ever, first time ever we'll we, say it. We might drop our, con- our socials there for you. Kevin's like, who did I email? <laughs> what, if she, what if she emails us now and it goes all horror-esque? What if this starts with this? This write, is a, this is the kind of decision that people make where you go, "What the fuck are you doing? You're an idiot." Then we write a, a play about it and make a lot of money. And yeah, the Mercer will be dead. Obviously, why am I going to be oh, dead? Oh, you'd be the first to go. No, not, yeah. no, 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 no. Yeah, no. Things yeah. have changed. It's 2022. Still, the gay one survives now. Oh, not because she's gay. It's just because she won't run away from it. You'd expect someone else to sort out the problem for you. But it's 2022, so I'm running now. So you're on your own. So I'm really sorry. It's you. You're the first to go. I disagree. I Just accept your fate. I'm the final gear, and that's that's the reality. <laughs> it'd normally be it's me now, and it? it'd be me who die. But you know, cis white males are on for a comeback. So. <laughs> <laughs> and cancel. And we <laughs> laughed. We laughed hard. <laughs> But yeah, thank you everyone for getting in touch. As I say, a, w- a wide range of different episodes, although I did, we did reel off three of the horror ones in the first three. I mean, yeah, um, like I say, it's a surprise for us that we haven't gone in a horror direction. Even the ones that aren't traditionally what you would think as, of a horror piece have their horror based in the nature of the people involved and the situations themselves. And then there are plenty that don't as well, um, like Nana's Party. And last gasp, they're kind of what I'd describe as friendlier tales. But this last gasp is still nasty in their their attitude and their back and their well, yeah, plotting. Yeah. It's about those ones are about the nature, the nasty nature of people rather than anything else. Hmm. Shall we crack on? Yeah, crack. Let's crack the whip. Crack let's away. Move on, and let's go with the episodes we've chosen. 
from the 43, 49 episodes available mm-hmm. um, as our number ones. Hmm. And guess who shall be starting? Tis I. The yes. Mercer. Tis me, Mercer. Yes, I'm starting with an episode from Series 1. Uh, so we're going way back to like 2014 when it's all fresh and new. Mm-hmm. I've gone for episode three, which is Tom and Jerry. Woo! Woo! Um, so Tom and Jerry is um, directed by David Kerr, this one. And it also has uh, Gemma Arterton in there as Jerry. Mm-hmm. And uh, Conleith Hill as Stevie, another character that pops up. So Tom and Jerry is basically it's the story. It's the story of a man going through a downward spiral after the introduction of another person, a new person into his life. Mm-hmm. So we've got Tom, who's um, a school teacher. Um, he's a bit bitter, really. What he really wants to be is a writer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got his girlfriend Jerry, who's uh, a struggling actress. So the you know. They're living this kind of life where, you know, they love each other, but there's definitely some kind of conflict between them because they're both kind of struggling to achieve what they want to achieve in life. Tom starts seeing, um, so from his from his home, he sees, like, this homeless person. Um, he tries to point him out to Jerry, and Jerry's like, I can't see anybody. And Tom's like, that's exactly the point. Like, this guy's, like, hidden away when he's trying to, like, beg. It makes no sense to me. Um... Anyway, because he sees him out and Jerry's going off for an audition, he decides to walk her to the tube stop for her safety. Lie! He walks to the tube stop because he wants some milk. She's just his backstory, um, his cover story for her. You're making a big deal about the milk. <laughs> because because it just kind of paints this picture of Tom as being someone who's kind of self-centred. Oh, I didn't get that impression. Yeah, I get the impression like, you know, he's marking the schoolwork. He's like, I just can't be asked. Like, this is what I'm going to do. Like, I just want, I want to be a writer. That's it. That's my life. That's what I want. Um, And I want everything to work my way. I don't like this homeless person across from my house. It doesn't work for me. I don't like the fact that you're a struggling actress. It doesn't work for me. It should be about me, 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 me. It's the impression I get from Tom. Um, in that very first scene. Uh, but yeah, he takes her off and then he comes back home and um, his doorbell goes and it's the homeless person Mick. who introduces him. Do you want to just keep your tongue in your mouth? <laughs> no. Sorry. It's the homeless person who introduces himself as Mig and explains that he's found Tom's wallet. Tom has a very awkward interaction with him. It's quite bizarre, really. He keeps saying the wrong thing about, you know, um, like dry cleaning and it's cold out there, which is why he needs to go. This poor homeless person's like, oh. And he gives him a reward, £40, £10 more than he wanted to give him. But, you know, I love the fact that he asked him if he's got any change. Have you got any change? <laughs> like, oh, my house is a little cold. And he's like, oh, just take it. Um, and he thinks it's all done and dusted. But then Mix comes back. With a gift for him. He's bought him a bottle of whisker uh, as a thank you for actually treating him like a human being, which is kind of the exact opposite of what Tom was doing. He just wanted rid of him, really. But Miggs, obviously, has realised that, you know, there's something about Tom that is going to be able to manipulate. Yeah. And saying, oh, you've treated me like a human being kind of resonates with Tom and he's like, do you want a drink for the road? Um, and then Mix gets himself in the house. Mm-hmm. Foot through the door. He never yeah. leaves. No. I wouldn't know how much... Kind of like me with our friendship. Yes! <laughs> I wonder how much this is influenced by... You're aware of the true story with the therapist, the psychiatrist and his patient, where he essentially this, this rich dude goes to see a therapist and he essentially worms his way into taking over his house and replacing him on the biz- replacing him in the business um, board and just essentially just taking over his life through that initial interaction and worming his way in. I wonder how much this is based on that Don't know. story. No idea. Because uh, this was wrote, like, in the 90s. Mm. So it was wrote pre-League of Gentlemen. Well, the concept was wrote pre-League of Gentlemen, but 
for the purpose of inside number nine, they did trim it down. They did lose a lot of characters mm. uh, to reduce it to that one setting for character piece. Um, but I don't know when that story happened. No, no I can't. Annoyingly, off the top of my head, no. I can't think. You, you take influence from everywhere, don't you? you do. Everything yeah. is based on something else. It's just how the world works. Anyway, back oh, to the, the point. Sorry, but the point I was going to make is that it's not that particularly far fetched. So people would look at that and go. How does someone allow someone just into their house and take over? Absolutely, take I'm, over everything. But it, it's not that. It isn't, and I mean, you know, in documentaries recently, such as Inventing Anna and Bad Vegan, you do find that you can be manipulated to do anything. An outsider looking in will go, "How have you put yourself in that situation?" But if you live in it, you don't always you, see it. You can't see it when you live in it. No. I think that's the purpose with Tom. Is you know, his character is someone who isn't where he wants to be in life and mix picks that up mm. he picks it up quite quickly when um they're having that drink together yeah. and tom ref- like references bukowski mm-hmm. and mix is like oh i know him and then he knows like he's got tom's interest now mm. like he's, he's he's sucked him in he's created this scenario where he his Tom's idol is somebody that Migs actually interacted with. Yeah. And he's got that interest and he's hooked him up. And from that moment, you see it where, like, Migs pours Tom another drink. Mm. And, you know, from then, we we just get this, like, this... It's not even a power struggle, really. It is literally just a reversal of characters. Yeah. So Migs suddenly, he's infiltrated his life. He starts telling Tom what's a good idea, what isn't a good idea. He's constantly, like, passing him drinks yeah. to get him into this thing and almost making Tom believe that he needs to stop what he's doing to live his dream. Quit your job, live your dream. Yeah. While this is going on, we keep getting Jerry, Tom's girlfriend, come in. But whenever she's on, on the scene, makes isn't. Yeah. And, you know, the whole... Throughout the entire episode, even from the very beginning, nobody's seen Mick other than Tom. Even from when Tom mm. were trying to point him out to Jerry out of the window, she's like, I can't, I don't, I can't see anyone. So we've got this kind of illusion now, you know, we've got Tom going through this kind of like breakdown, completely reverting into what Mick's was. Yeah. We've got Mick becoming like the powerhouse so then we've got Jera as like this grounding force saying none of this is real this doesn't exist you know and Jerry's Jerry's a very believable character she yeah. comes in and out we've got good reasons for her being there good reasons for her not being there um and then we've got Stevie who comes as well um who was his Tom's old boss and even when Stevie comes, Mick isn't there. No, and he says he doesn't know him either. And he's never, yeah, he's no, never, I've never heard, heard of him. Yeah. It's complete misdirection. Yeah, it, yeah. I love the misdirection in this episode. And it's so tight as well. Yes. That's what she said. Yeah. <laughs> the, um, in the fact that it, literally where one door closes, another one opens. Yes, it's very much like, um, I can't think of what it is, but almost like, do you know like the slapsticky second episode where, um, you know, the baddies pop up? Yeah. As someone's coming downstairs, and like there's that crossover always where nobody ever actually meets. Yeah. yeah. Um, or even later on, like they do it in quite a lot of seasons, like Hotel Zanzibar, there's a lot of them people coming out of the hotel rooms, but never yeah. actually meeting each other. And this is very much these characters never cross paths. The only constant is obviously Tom. I, I think that's more purposeful in this episode than any other purely because you, you I mean spoiler alert obviously we, we there's gonna be spoilers in this. If you haven't seen it by now, that's your own fault. Mm. But um Yeah, no I'll underscore Kelly. <laughs> so no Noel oh gosh I'm so sorry. Um stop listening, Noel. We'll let you know when you come back in the room. Um it is that you are be you are made to believe the whole way through that it is Mick that's the imaginary one. Even with how everything's set up. There's a mirror by the door and I think that mirror I think personally that mirror is put there so it looks that even when somebody is in the background you can't see them. Mm. So in your head you're going, well, he's clearly imagine- imagining him. That's not... The The only point where, where I don't know if, if it works or how 
they get away with it is one when Stevie comes round and he sit and Mig is sitting on the sofa when he when he goes back across because the layout of that flat means that living room is just there's a couch yeah. and there's a window there is nowhere else to go but it's also um heavily under litter and yeah but it, 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 I don't think we can pick points I'm, no, I'm just I'm not I'm saying I'm not picking I'm not deliberately picking things out but that if we're not gonna no. mention these things then what's the point no I get what you're saying that is almost like the moment where they're trying to cement the fact that Migs is not real yeah um, I think he's just come out of the bedroom I think he was just hiding away while Stevie was there to not because obviously if we look at the way Migs has started to actually start to take care of himself versus the way Tom is Anybody coming into that situation who sees them would be able to see, in my opinion, that he's been manipulated. Yeah. He's now under um, almost like a Stockholm syndrome or yeah. something. He's like he's so reliant on Meg, and Meg was, you know, just somebody off the street. Yeah. Um, I think the one part where where I got thrown is. When Jerry comes in and she's like, Mick isn't real. Where is her? Mm -hmm. like, so he's in the bathroom and he walks him in. He walks Jerry into the bathroom and Mick isn't there. Yeah. And you're like, oh, he's, he is real. Yeah. Um, but then he's just hiding behind the door. And then I was like, I'm really confused now. Um, but I do love the twist. I do love the fact that after that scene, we cut back to Tom and his house is all lovely and clean mm. and everything's fine and Jerry's there and having this lovely conversation and Steve comes and you're like, oh, everything's worked out. Yeah. Because, you know, at this point, we're not really sure where Inside Number Nine's going because it's only the third episode, eh? Yeah. Um, so we think we've had his twist mm -hmm. and his reveal, like, Mig's in real. Yeah. We've just learned it. Oh, shock. Um, and then Tom's talking to Steve and he's like, um, oh, Jerry's here. And he's like, Jerry's dead. Mm. She died. And then you're like, oh, there's. And then he walks into the bathroom to get him some And he's like, oh my God, Tom, what are you doing? And Tom walks in and he goes, I oh, know it's Migs. It, he's not real. The, the, the thing is about when, when he walks in and finds Mig is that he. He says it's so matter of fact, but like he's convinced himself in his head that he went, "Oh, he's not real." Yeah, and it's, like, it's just yeah, no emotion to it. Can make a cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, Jerry's just put the kettle on. Yeah. like, "Oh, that's the twist. That's quite dark." Yeah. and like, and it does look quite cool. It like, does look cool. I see. Also, Malcolm, like he call, he introduces himself as me, but his name tag is Malcolm. Oh, yeah, yeah. There you go. Space just so, just a name to go by, and that's suppose. Yeah. Malcolm Ness is what he's actually called. Oh, um, so I don't know where he got Mick from, but yeah, it might be a Bukowski reference, maybe that we're not aware of. Pass. I doubt it. I think Tom would have picked up on that. I don't know. Basically, this episode I think works very well because of the misdirection. It does spend its time leading us to believe that Mick is imaginary. Mm -hmm. Um. And not Jera. We've got no reason to believe it's not Jera. Yeah. Now, I've just been reading your Inside Number Nine book, and apparently on the set, in that set design, on the notice board, there are flyers stuck up for Jerry's memorial service. Really? Didn't know. Oh, I've watched that episode so many times. Yeah. So they do, and that's something I love about Inside Number Nine. Almost like what we said about um, John and Peel, they very much are working and placing things in there to give us everything we need to work out what's going on. Yeah. But it's that obscured in the background that we do end up missing it. Uh, but yeah, I love the misdirection in this. I think Reece Shearsmith in this, his performance is probably one of my favourite performances. Yeah. His downward spiral and the way like he takes on that kind of almost mental breakdown is impeccable. Gemma Arterton, I'm glad she's back on our show. Um, I think we only had her around for Byzantium, but she's back. <laughs> uh, and I'm glad she is because I'm, I'm not going to lie, I'm not a massive fan of Gemma Arterton. 
in general. Um, but she's she's really talented. She is. She, and you can't, yeah. you just can't take that away from her. And that episode, it's crafted perfectly. It's scripted perfectly. Um, and yeah, from the very beginning, the leading us into the idea that mix isn't real yeah and as an audience we just buy into that yeah straight away i love it i think it's genius it's perfect um can we also just say as well before we leave this episode that you also found out in the book that um it's implied that jerry's manager is ollie plimsoll yes yes it is <laughs> which is um, fantastic if true <laughs> yeah so they do throw throw back to well i said they throw back to insert no there's a line there's a line from steve where he says you and i is going to sit down and have a little chat mm. and that sounds very much like the character from series three um the one who lives in london and wants to be part of the gay community that's what she says so when he said it i, I recognized it as a line yeah. but i didn't pick up on the only thing to my shame but anyway i'm saying it now i'm saying it loud i'm saying it proud tom and jagger is the best episode from the inside number nine series and people should vote for that one my drop or no drop no book drop no book drop just as a by the way regarding the time frame for the story with the therapist and the guy who wormed his way into his life 1981 oh oh so it could be, could that could be an influence to it, possibly. Possibly, we'll, we'll never know. <laughs> Who knows? We'll never, we'll never find out. Reason, um, Steve would know. Steve would know. Yeah. So just respond to us, Reese. Steve, <laughs> like because they'll definitely be listening. Yeah, we've episode. all watched Simon. Is it Simon Sears? We're not expecting. A, <laughs> we're not expecting any sort of podcast interaction. Okay, so it's my choice now for best inside number nine episode. And unlike versus, this is the best one. <laughs> no, I do love Tom and Jerry. They're all great. But this is my particular favourite. It's from Series 3, Episode 2. And it is The Bill, directed by Gria Morales. And we also have, along with recent Steve, we also have Ellie White, Jason Watkins, and Philip Glenister as well for fantastic this. Join along for this one. Exactly. Fantastic cast. Fantastic performance, fantastic episode. So this one, just a brief breakdown before we get into it. So there's a group of friends going out for a meal after a day of badminton or an evening of badminton. So Reese, Steve and Jason Watkins play Kevin, Archie and Malcolm. So they're three friends. Craig is a Londoner who they've met during the week of business conferencing or whatever they've been doing, who was joining for badminton and the meal out afterwards. Everything's great. They're all having a laugh. They're all having fun until it comes with who's actually due to pay the bill. Normally, you would have a argument over whose turn it was to actually pay or get out of paying. But again, through the excellent Inside Number 9 book that I was also reading earlier on, this was based on Reese and Steve observing an argument in the cafe they always used to go to when writing, say, about a couple who were arguing it was actually their turn, their turn to pay. And things escalate wildly out of all kind of sync. They say as well with this one, this is one of their more challenging episodes because normally with Inside Number 9, you have a set where people can go in and out and come in and do various bits of people you can change location whereas this is just set around one table in a restaurant the characters are briefly going in and out there's also one number after as well which shows you for the screenwriting which shows awesome. you how strong the episode is again like tom and jerry completely wrong wrong foot you what you would think is just an argument about a bill spins into so much more it's about passive aggressive behavior it's about competition. It's about toxic masculinity. It's about that North versus South divide, divide as well. It's essentially, it's like if Tarantino did an episode of Inside Number Nine or Reese and Steve had a go at doing a Tarantino flick. It's a Mexican standoff over paying a bill. And it should not be that tense over seeing who actually pays. It's it's brilliantly written. It's brilliant. It's brilliantly brilliant. It's brilliantly performed. 
Philip Glenister is an absolute powerhouse in this. They said not that they don't write for particular actors when they're working on the scripts, but they they were writing this and they had it down and then Glenister got attached and they're like, Yeah, that's absolute that's absolutely perfect. And we can we can envision no one else in this role now. Apparently there was ones where he played earlier versions where he was much brasher, much more of a dick mm. and much more kind of cocky, laddish behaviour. And then there's another draft where there's a really posh kind of idiot as well, which maybe wouldn't maybe would have been too on the nose for the North South wealth. Yeah, because it to some degree you have to have them getting along, otherwise it doesn't really work for yeah. What will come? What will eventually come? Um, it's Jason Watkins for me. I love him. I, I loved him in Psychoville. Um, and I was so happy that they got him back for this because he's such a good character actor. I love his character because he's such a drip. <laughs> um, he's, he just play, yeah, he just plays this, this tight fist. <laughs> blue cock. Blue cock. <laughs> <laughs> he just plays it absolutely perfectly. His comic timing is absolutely on the nose. I think where it does start to get a bit tense as well, he does bring a bit of comic relief, you know, inadvertently. He does, but then he also, I think he does that kind of, like, brings that sense, like, brings the comic relief, but also kind of like, brings it all back in. Like, for example, when everyone's getting heated and he goes, I'll pay the bill! And everything just drops. Well, we find there's a reason for that, don't well, we? Well, yeah, yeah. But, like, like, that moment. Yeah, yeah. I think one of my favourite parts in this is when, um, you know, he's talking about Northerners being poor. We're not all poor, thank you very much. Oh, we are. Um, okay, we are. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's talking about Northerners being poor. If anyone wants and, uh, to contribute to our diddler. Like, yeah. <laughs> But then, um, like, Pembo, Pembo's character's like, uh, Kevin's got two flats. And he's like, oh, well, my mum lives in one of them. And he's like, and how much rent do you charge her? And this face drops. He's like, that's not <laughs> business. Like, I, I love that moment because it just indicates, yes, I do charge my mother rent. Thank you very much. Considering as well that, as we find out later, that he's in, he's the, he is the prof, he is in charge yeah. of the whole thing. So that's not even him as that character. That's, Jason Watkins playing a character, playing... Yeah. Yeah. And my favourite little detail about him as well is when he takes his money out of his wallet, it's all folded up, really neat and tidy. And I love the fact, because we all know a Kevin, that person who was like, I know exactly who the penny what I have spent. I think that's absolutely fair. Unless you've got money to just spread around, I think it's fair to calculate how much you spent in a restaurant because someone could go in and order like a steak or something and you've ordered like a burger and there's this 20 but odd quid when you go out no we're not subsidizing their gluttony <laughs> I, I, I you know off episode i i think life is so so you know when i go out with like some people not you but like when we've been out in groups like mm. we've all split the bill and we paid what we have to pay yeah ideally i would rather someone just uh Right, it's steak on each. And that's it. And I don't care whether I've had £12 worth of food or £52 worth of food. I'd rather we just went, here's what it is. Anyway, we're going off topic here. Anyway. We are going off topic. <laughs> anyway, so you two are the Kevins, uh-huh. and I'm all the other characters who's like, oh no, I would never suggest I pay for it all. Ever. I, just, I don't think there's any issue with knowing how much money you have about your person and the, re- the requisite funds. Um, because Chris picked something in my episode to question, I'm going to pick something in his. Oh, this this is verging on negativity, guys. No, it's not. It's a question, actually. A wizard wizard did it. A wizard did it. (laughs) No, this is me wondering whether it's um, a a slip that was purposely put in or not. Mm -hmm. But there's a moment when Kevin's got the bill in his hand and Reese grabs it off him. Mm -hmm. And he calls him Kenneth or Kenneth. You don't call him Kevin. Oh, real, real names. I think. What would it be like? Is that what, is that the character's real name? They was again from the book. They the guys were saying when they do every little eye roll. So you see bit the bits when they do the mouthing about the money, and you think and you look at you go, oh, they're just surprised by how how much cash he has got. But they're mm-hmm. saying every single eye roll and raised eyebrow and reaction to him. Having the cash 
is placed there for you to for you when you rewatch it to realise that they're they're just reacting to how yeah. much they're gonna get off his scam. So is that why yeah, so is that what, did he accidentally call him wrong? Yeah, name? and so, so we as the audience go there's a bit as well where um, he's on the phone and he says, I've got that kind of money. And he goes, I've got 250 or something. Yeah. And he turns around to him and goes, a mouth thousand to him. That's not there by them acting just sort of surprised by how much money you got. That's, I say, all these things, all these eyebrow raises are placed there and that misspelt or misspoken name is there, I say. So it's all there for you to pick up when you go back in and watch it. And realise that they were scamming, how they were scamming him from the start. I think the the kind of complexity of this scam is a little bit insane, really. Yeah. But like like the scripted kind of version. What I do love is before we know it's a scam, and you're just watching it for the first time. Like the idea of the levels that Archie and Malcolm will go to to pay this bill yeah. are unbelievable. Down to the fact that Archie's like, I've got brain tumour, and I've only got three months left to live. Yeah, it's only because me, you lying bastard. <laughs> <laughs> you lying fucking monster. <laughs> is the way he delivers that line as he comes bombarding into that room is sheer the, perfection. Yeah, the funny. level of pettiness amongst him. It's like, I'm offering to pay for your meal, yeah, because you're a selfish prick. <laughs> <laughs> you're a selfish prick. I love it. Um, I, I think, again, you are right. This is very, very clever how it pans out um, leading up to like the ultimate reveal. Yeah, I think this is the tightest and best scripted of the episodes. But obviously, I say this is my favourite, so I'm yeah. going to feel that anyway. But there's not a line waste, wasted. Dad had more dialogue in as well because the original runtime was about 14 minutes when they did it straight through so they had to add a couple of extra pages to the pad, pad out and it shows the strength of their writing that absolutely none of that feels added on there's no, no. there's no point where you fit where you listen to it and it sounds just like filler they were having to desperately add in and it, you know it's i think it's important to comment on the fact that once you do find out what the situation is and that they are trying to scam him um just the way their characters turn so how like reese and steve turn really meet compared to him as a boss yeah. sort of thing so good i love the fact that we've completely disregarded the Ellie White, who does um, a, an impeccable job, yeah. I think, uh, with like the misunderstanding, um, and then the actual death scene that she has. One thing I will say is how they—I know it's only a script—but how they knew he would grab that knife and fling it round to her throat is very kind of precise as a scam. So I've had a thought, I had a think about this and I think what the intention was is that they've been pettying at each other all night and he's just going to get to the point eventually where he's had enough in it and when he sees that there's someone who could actually be in danger, there's some real peril there. I think he's, he, you know, he spent time with him. He, you know, Archie knows he's the kind of guy who will probably step in and try and resolve that situation. That's... And in all in all the chaos of what's happening, it doesn't even have to be that he necessarily That's... knows what he's done. That's the right. thing because Glenister's this he's the alpha male throughout. And they they set him up as being he's the rich one. He's the he's just the, he's the dominant party. There, he's the one making all the big all the big shouts and all the big over-the-top attention-seeking. He is clearly the alpha, and they're like they're quite happy to let him play yeah. that because it completely works into their scheme. And as you say, when they actually, move, when they actually wave the knife and actually slice, I don't think he actually gets anywhere near her. I don't think... I'm no. really sure you don't see him get anywhere near her throat. I think they they rely on just the fact that during the confusion, it doesn't matter if he gets nowhere near her. Once you see that blood start pumping through, he'll, he'll be convinced he will assume he's done that, it. Yeah. yeah, fair enough. I do like that, and then I love the way that he finds out it's a scam. Yeah, by standing on a hand. Yeah, is that it's it's just great. Yeah, all that planning, all that all that effort, all that split second timing, and go through finding the mark and getting everything done, only to have it ruined by someone stepping on you. It's just the way they re-steal. It's like oh. We're still going to need the money. 
still need to clean this up. Clean what up exactly? Oh, it's so good. It is good. And then I like, I do like the ending. Yeah. Because I like the the fact that that is their scam. Yeah. It's like, you know, we come back to the next trick and they're doing the exact same storyline. But now he's in on it because he, want, he wants a bit it. of excitement. And yeah. Wants, yeah. Quite clever. He's, made, he's made his money. He's comfortable. He wants, he wants that thrill. Again, I think casting wise, I think the cast are all perfection. Actual um, perfection. I do. There's something weird about Stephen Reeves where sometimes, like, and I don't mean this in a negative. Good. Right, but sometimes <laughs> they feel very over the top with some of what they do, but it works really well. Does that make sense? So do you know like sometimes like when you go to a college play and you've got that kid who's really trying really hard to be really good, uh, but they're not very good, and everything they deliver is over the top. I'm not liking yeah. where this is going. <laughs> sometimes you get that vibe, but they are actually good. No, I, I, do. I don't I don't get that myself personally. Of no. course you don't, because you, you're blinded, you're blinkered, you you, you can't see past I'm anything not. I, I just I just think every, I've you watched just, more of it than you. No. You're suggesting they can't do... You wouldn't, you wouldn't watch them and suggest they gave a subtle performance rather than... No, but you see, no, because I think Shearsmith can do subtle. Uh, what is happening that here? And, and I do think... I'm just trying to get can. to the bottom of what... I, just, I, I, I promise people no hate in this no, no, episode. No, 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 this is not hate. I'm actually saying that they, they, there's something about the way that they perform which other actors... I would go, that's terrible. But for some reason, the way they perform and the way they act really worked for their relationship together. Okay. No matter what characters they're doing, there's something so over the top. Not all the time, but sometimes there's this over the top booming voice. You can't deny the booming voice that they both do, um, which yeah. they're doing quite a lot, which could feel so over the top. But for some reason, within the context of the world that they've created, it just works perfectly. That, that's good acting and good writing. Yeah, that's what I'm, I'm not criticising them. Good. I would never criticise them. Good, good. Glad to hear it. So, the bill, yes. As I say, my, my favourite choice. My did favorite you just start humming the bill then? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> is that the bill? No, it's not. I did. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, the bill. My choice for best Inside Number 9 episode, the only choice for best Inside Number 9 episode, the best scripted, best performed, best cast, absolute joy that is watching people argue over who's going to play in a restaurant. Who knew? But please vote for the bill. So my pick for my favourite Inside Number 9 episode also comes from Series 3 as did the bill, uh, first aired on March 14th, 2017, Diddle Diddle Dumpling. The story begins with um, Reese playing David, and he comes back from jogging one day and finds a size 9 shoe outside his house and uh, takes the shoe inside and begins to become obsessed with finding the owner, um, what the situation could be, much to the dismay of his wife Louise uh, she is concerned about his mental health with how obsessed he is getting with the shoe um, it takes place over four seasons and is accompanied by the Vivaldi score which is just genius the, the, you would have thought from me I would have gone through a horror episode in picking this because I do love their horror episodes but there's something about Diddle Diddle Dumpling that is just incredible the way it's filmed the way that the cast are directed the this is easily Shea Smith's best performance for me I think he plays somebody having a nervous breakdown incredibly it it just works so well it's it's, out, it's not even that it's subtle it, you know you see it take place over the course of a year and it's just how desperate it becomes and I know there are lines that are written in to the episode that are supposed to be funny and are writ written in for comic relief, but I can't take them as funny because I see how sad he is 
how sad the character of David is and how much you feel for him. So it's it's just horrible to watch, in my opinion. It's hard for me to go anywhere without actually spoiling it, getting it to the end, because obviously... I think that's the thing, though, with this episode. It's by the end, when we realise what's the driving mm. force, then it does, I think, change your entire perception yes. of him as a character. Absolutely does. Um, because, you know, we've got, we, we understand the reasoning. So if, if you're looking at it, just going into it from the start of the episode, you do think that he is, you, you can tell something's not right. Mm. You, the, you know, it's just, something's not fully okay with what's going on, even between them two. And I, and I, st- I think that there might have even been some sort of storyline that could have developed where they thought Louise was having an affair with... Steve's character. Steve's character. I think she is when they when they have the dinner together. I don't and they, think they, they are. They hold, he takes hands across the table and then he whips that hand away with absolute speed when Reese comes back in. The, re- the reason I don't think that they actually are, and I think he's trying to comfort her in that bit, saying, well, you know, you need to grieve. You can grieve too. You've got, this is just as much a part of you as it is of him. And he's behaving this way. And she's, I feel like she's saying to him, I can't in that I can't fall apart. I have to be the strong one here because look uh, at what's happening over here. Fair, very different view. I, I took it from a similar viewpoint to you, but, but I thought he was trying to get her right. to, you know, have an affair with him. And all the, I think they already are. I think all, I mean, we, she comes in late to the din- dinner when it's just the two of us. It's like, all oh, the weird connection issues trying to get people. People online. Yeah, just like two hours late. Two hours late, it, and then that. I think I for me for me I think they are they are. It fair. it does say in the book that um the end of the episode was going to be that she was living with him and their daughter, right. and that's when you got that's when you get the um footage of David planting the shoe okay. himself. So that was going to be the ending. I, I, I yeah. Everything about this episode is amazing. The set design in particular, perfection. You know, it's throughout it, you've got pears in everything. Even stuff down to vases and candlesticks. And it's always at the back of David, which makes me think it's no matter what's going on, it's always in the back of his mind that this is the the situation. Clever. And I think as well, they do, um, this is, like all the episodes where they're giving you kind of the tools to work out what's going on. There's the point where she keeps saying it's a single shoe. Yeah. And like single, 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 the word single comes up. And you'll notice as well from the amount of pairs and uh, I mean, the the door number alone is 22, two twos. Um, You'll notice from the amount of pairings that there is in backgrounds and such that when the, when you do get introduced to three jars on the side and the three chairs around the table it just looks out of place mm. compared to everything else that you see in even down to the drinks he yeah double drinks double drinks he puts yeah. the olives in um, at the same at time. the same time it's yeah oh it's, it's so another good very clever and also another one that can reveal if you could zoom in probably like what's going on quite quickly because he finds the shoe obviously he's freaking out about this shoe and there's that scene where he's polishing the pictures mm. and he polishes one, he picks one, stops and walks away. Yeah. And that picture is in the background for quite a lot of the time and that's the picture that we see right at the end, which reveals... You also see um, his son on his laptop before he opens up a document, this picture of his son on his laptop. Oh, I didn't, yeah. didn't notice that. And the only episode to have two hairs in as well, side by side. Oh. Also, then, we should probably reveal, his problem is... Pairing the shoe. It's not really about pairing the shoe. It's the fact that they had twins. And one of and them, one of them passed died. Away. Yeah. And he's just not been able to deal with that. No. Now, this is another one. I'm quite thrown by this one. Like the ending. Because, so basically, for anyone who doesn't know, his wife sets it up that someone comes and gets this shoe. Yeah, so what? So she's gotten tired of the fact that he's obsessing over it. And she's trying to help him. I mean, even to the point where they have a dinner scene where she, you know, dares him to not talk about it for two minutes. And that's apparently, according to the book, that's supposed to be like 
a funny thing, and I could I couldn't laugh at it. It does feel cruel. It feels really cruel. I didn't find any humour in that. In fact, I found that scene quite tense. And it, it is tense, yeah. And it's probably one of my favourite scenes in that episode. And it is it's, as well. You get to see him. Um, I mean, a lot of his frustration and a lot of his obsession over it is quite contained mm. but in that scene you see him in the background just whipping <laughs> everything out of the bin and just going crazy but yeah so um she sorry i'm babbling yeah she gets tired of this and wants to help him just end it so she gets one of her old college friends or unbeknownst to us at the time uh matthew Baton, i think it is who plays him um to come and claim it as his, and he says he lost it at a wedding. But what she's actually done is buy a pair of shoes and then, you know, said, oh, actually, it matches this one. So he thinks it's done and dusted. But then, obviously, when his daughter says, I'm in the plane, she starts singing Diddle Diddle Dumpling, My Son John, that kind of... You, you can see it's not fully gone. Yeah. So it, it, it looks like he might have gotten better, but even those little things that just set him off and just make him remember. Was it the kid called John? Isn't that what's setting off? Because obviously the, the diddle diddle dumplings about one shoe off, one shoe on as mm. well. Um, but I thought I thought the kid would call John for some reason. Maybe I just put that in there. Because, it's you. You're you're called John. Yeah. Because I'm. <laughs> you just want to make this all about you. Yeah, because my real name's John. Maybe I just put it in there to yeah. fill the gap. But um, yeah, so he is planning on doing a photo book, and he finds a receipt for this. I mean, I don't know why she'd keep a receipt. Yeah, I'd have thrown that away, tax purpose or no tax purpose. That would have gone in the bin to remove any trace of what I'd done. Naughty Keely Hose. However, um, he finds it and puts two and two together, works out that they went to college together. He finds the picture of him as well. Finds the picture of him, yes. And um, confronts her about it. And she says, look, I was doing it to help you. I just wanted it to end. It's just a shoe. And she's holding his hand and finds blood on his wrist. Now, I first took this when I watched it, and I, I did my normal fear gasp, my <gasps> where I actually lose my breath for a second. She says, what have you done? And David turns around and says, they should be, together. should be together. I'm like, oh, my God, he's killed the kid. He's killed the kid. I think he has. But no, no that's, he hasn't. That, from you, the conversation they have, that's absolutely, it's clear that's not it's, what's happened. It's not, and the book confirms it isn't. Right. So uh, Reese actually said in the book, that's way darker than anything they were thinking, and they wish they had done that because it would be horrible. The conversation goes is that he went down to Norfolk. Yeah. And he didn't want it. And he didn't, he want, didn't want to give up the shoe. Yeah. But prior to that, he's talking about the children. And she's saying she doesn't even remember she had a brother. And he's like, not just a brother, a twin. Yeah. And then he goes on to say, they, they should be together. Yeah, but, after, but it's the not fact, the, the fact they have that, that convo afterwards, it makes it, it's, for me, it's perfectly clear that it's him. It does, say in, the, it does say in the book Sorry, as well. Sorry, smarty pants. It does say in the book as well that he got sectioned. Mm. Or that was supposed to be the end that he gets sectioned. I don't. We don't see that part. It ends on, obviously, the police come in. But I think it's, it, and from, I mean, even if you hadn't read the book, I do feel that after he said, I went to visit him, it is heavily implied yeah, that that's what had happened. Yeah, definitely. Like, but I thought it was a child, first of no, all. I definitely agree that he obviously he's killed that guy. Or hurt him. Or hurt him. Yeah. But then I also thought that he got to that point where he actually, because he went and got that shoe, saying they should be together, that he'd gone, actually they should be together That's, and I thought it was left like as like that would a bit have, of ambiguity that would have been really good I think not wanting to rewrite the episode I think Simon says Simon says how <laughs> how dare off my opinion on the episode <laughs> if you wanted to do that which I think would have worked brilliantly I think the moment to do it was when she he says all that about them being together and she takes all the hand and she goes you're bleeding and he goes no I'm not and he turns away and he turns away that would have been that would have been the point there to end it. But like I say, they did actually confirm that it wasn't that. But I did think it was that. And I, th I thought this on a few, I thought this on to have and to hold as well when he goes into the basement and when Steve looks down and that hand comes up, I'm like, oh, is that a child's hand? Oh my God. And he freaked me out for a second. And I thought, that that's pretty dark if you're going to do that. But then when we watch Mr. King and 
obviously there's all the accusations that fly around and Reese says, good girl, good girl. I'm like, oh, I'm not sure I want this now. I thought <laughs> I thought I might have wanted that darkness. I don't think I do anymore. Did you said darkness in other episodes. Oh, yeah, yeah. But it just, it just felt sardines, obviously. Sardines. The one, um, I forgot what it's called, with the actor and the missing boy, Ryan. Oh, uh, and hurry up and wait. Hurry up and yeah. wait, yeah. And it turns out that it's... Yeah, no, yeah. I'd so like to... It, it, should, it was just those episodes right. that... Back to this one. I I genuinely thought they'd left it open to interpretation. I thought that's what they'd done. I mean, if you Um, if you want to keep thinking that, I'm sure nobody had mind. (laughs) But then what I think is cool is when they actually show us the picture of him holding the twins, and And he's wearing pants down to the shoes, Mm -hmm. and they're his shoes. But it's nice to have the bit at the end as well of him planting the shoes, so you know as a matter of fact that this is where that came from and it was him all along. But does he know it's him? I think that's I don't think I don't think he does because yeah. after he goes to visit the college friend and she asks what have you done, he says, I can't, I can't remember. remember. So he might just have these blackouts yeah. where he Yeah. But oh it's a fantastic episode. Amazing. I mean Keely Hawes is amazing in it. Fantastic. She's so good. Um everybody's good in it. Everyone's good. I'm really- they manage to keep it sympathetic as well. With yeah. let's face it, with the absolute obsession that he has with it, it could have it could have easily been played. You could have hated Reese's character by by the end of it. But there's always something sympathetic there, even yeah, before you know what's that's going what on. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah. the thing. So the fact they manage to pull it back, so you do actually you, you do actually sit there and go, right? If he was displaying that behaviour with me, I'd still still understand and still. Not let it ruin everything. Yeah. So they could have gone too far the other way. Yeah, I do think they're quite clever in like like the dinner scene where it becomes for um Pemberton's character evident that actually we need to kind of go along and try and well, help yeah, that way. It, rather than just be like, You fucking stupid. It's a laws and the real yeah. girl situation. You've seen that film? Yes. Yeah, so it's kinda of like, you know, you know that something's not right here. But you love this person so much that you want to help them, yeah. and if that's if that's what it takes mm. to get them to get better, and we like that because this. When I said we, as the audience, because there's that moment where he's listening to the radio interview that he's mm-hmm. done, and the interviewer, Danny Baker, Danny by the way, Baker, yeah. is obviously taking the piss out of him. Yeah, and yeah. you actually feel sorry for Shea Smith because you're like, oh, he's only trying to. I know, I know, I know, I know. Bless him. Um, yeah, if I could take a second to talk about the house as well, the house is incredible. I'd love to live in that house. It's amazing. That staircase is gorgeous. Um, and apparently it was chosen because it did have kind of a Kubrick feel about it in terms of its old kind of, because when I first watched it, I said, oh, it's kind of high rise It's that kind of 70s, you know, retro inspired sort of thing. Um, you should be voting Diddle Diddle Dumpling as your favourite episode because it's... It's off the chain. It's amazing acting. It's amazing writing. Incredible directing. Incredible set design. But above all, a spectacular story. Vote Diddle Diddle Dumpling. So, that's our three. Mm-hmm. Normally we'd end here, right? But because this Inside Number 9 is so fucking good and it was such a struggle to pick... A number one episode. Mm-hmm. We have all kind of just thrown our top three together. Obviously, we've already covered it number one. But just to give like a little bit of a highlight to some of the upper episodes, um, we'll just say what our top three are. Okay. Yes. What was your number three, Mercer? Oh, we'll, my... go, we'll, we'll count down around we'll that way. So I had such a struggle with this one, but ultimately, um, I did go for the 12 Days of Christine oh. as my third favourite. Just cry. because... Sheridan Smith in that is fantastic. And when we realise what's happening, I mean, I was sobbing. I rewatched it and I was sobbing my eyes out and I can't help that. No, I, I cried too. I think that would come number 41 out of 43 for me. I don't, I don't love the episode. It's perfectly fine. My number three is Bernie Clifton's dressing room. <laughs> That's what I was struggling with. That that is also my number three. It, um, I mean, if I'm going, if I'm going to get personal, I, I I don't want to get personal, but I am going to get personal because I'm going to tell you why it affected me so much. Um, 
I used to have a friend and we were quite in when I worked at the pub with him, we were quite into League of Gentlemen. So much so that we'd literally like sack off college lessons to go into the pub and try and write us on scripts. We were obsessed with it. And um just before that episode aired, I found out he passed away and I hadn't known and he died from alcoholism. And then I watched the episode and it it, it just kinda hit different. So even now when yeah. I watch it I'm like this is upsetting, <laughs> but it's such a fucking good episode. That, that reveal at the end. Yeah, is, oh, God, God. It is. And again, that's another Rishi Smith powerhouse performance. And that was the one that I was, like, it was either that or 12 Days of Christine for me as number three. There's a line in that, and it, it, he's done this twice now, Reese. There's a line in this one and in my, number two. Um, it's when he's talking to him and he's asking him, did you remember Bernie Clifton's dressing room? And he says, no. And he says, you nearly died and you can you can hear his voice break. And I'm like, shit. It, it feels real because, you know, they're such good friends. It feels like if you were saying that to your best friend, mm. you'd be affected like that. That is exactly how you'd react. I mean, I'd probably laugh if I was saying it too. Of course you would, dickhead. What about... Oh. Yours was also Bernie Clifton. It was Bernie Clifton, as I say. You're quite right, Reese's performance in that is absolutely astounding. And, 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 well, and, and that's sort of the finishing song number, just in tears oh. by the end of the episode. <laughs> we, went to a, we went to watch, I forget the cinema we went to in London. It was a, it was a mixture. It was like a, I think it was a charity night. It was East Finchley one, weren't it? It was a cinema, we were, yeah. and uh, you got to see... Um, was it a league episode, a psycho, psycho and bill, and inside number nine? And they played Bernie Clifton's dressing room, and everyone would just sat there, and you could just hear people going, <laughs> just like crying by the end. Really so good. What was your second? What one na- narrowly missed out on your top spot, Mercer? The one that narrowly missed out on my top spot is could have very easily been my top spot, but I kind of wanted to go back to some older episodes. Mm-hmm. My uh, number two is Mr. King hey! from season seven <laughs> because it's bonkers and I just loved it. I loved everything about yeah. it. It was, I was so enthralled with that episode throughout. I was like... I'm surprised the BBC got away with showing that much penis. There were a lot of penis in them pictures. I think it's because it's a photograph of a penis. Oh, okay, fair enough. Yeah. So happy we got a folk horror. So happy. It was so good. It was so do- good. For me, I think it was done very well. Yeah, it really was. What's your number two? Deadline. <laughs> oh, okay. oh, God, how did, I forget, how did I forget about Deadline? Deadline is amazing. So much so that you went to bed. Yes. Because you thought it had glitched. I did. And do you know the only reason I went to bed is because the replacement episode, and I think this was a choice of theirs, because the replacement episode was episode quite two of season one of Quite Night In, which felt to me bizarre. And it also made me think that that's probably, in my mind, the episode that they've had the least positive feedback about, which is why they use that as, this is what we're going to show you instead. Yeah. So people go, oh. Because that's exactly what I did. <laughs> I mean, oh. yeah, but that's just because that's just you're not a fan of the, of the slapstick silent. Just going to say, though, even though it's off the subject, I have rewatched it, and it's so much better than <laughs> I remember it being. Yeah. I actually enjoyed it the second time around. I think yeah. it was just the first time I watched it, I was a bit like, meh. Um, but yeah, the deadline, that's quite, a, again, a good, clever episode. Very clever. And um, apparently all that um, interaction in the dressing room and stuff, that was actually live. So that wasn't pre-recorded. It was actually done live, that part of it. I thought the episode was a live episode. Well, I thought, because obviously when you find out that the ghost watched us, essentially, it is in it. It's like, because the ghost watched us. Um, I, I did think maybe at that point it might have just been a whole recorded episode, because why wouldn't you do that and make it look like it were live? But no, it was live. Actually live. Because it did the live feed yeah, but you could have done. It could have been sat at home and done that. If you were doing it as a pre-recorded, you could have someone waiting there to send a text when it were showing on BBC. True. There are ways of doing it. There are. There are ways of tweeting. And then finally, Chris, what was yours? Mine was 
Again, a horror one, because there has to be at least at least one horror one in your top three. I know what yours is. Mine is Seance Time. I knew it would be Seance Time. I love... It's just... I like... It brings the best of both worlds. It brings the clever script in and twists of Inside Number 9 with the best horror, haunted house kind of aspects of things that you love. Yeah. Like the the creepy voice and the ste- and the stereo playing and just the little the little nods and the little flashes and stuff. And Steve Pemberton in that one is absolutely brilliant as the sweary uncouth. <laughs> yeah. It's Thinger That Steals the Show, though, for me. Pam from Kevin and Steve. <laughs> I forget her name. I'm really terrible at names. So the Alice Lowe again, as Dan Popmatic was saying, absolutely brilliant. And I do, yeah, I love the lack of concern that she has. Like, when everything's going down, it's like, I'm going to need that wig, though. Yeah, need the wig back, though. Superb performances all around by them in that episode. Yeah. But yeah, so that was, been, that was my number two choice. Basically, it was just fucking hard to pick an episode. I, I've, I did a top ten. I could have easily done, just for the record, in my top ten, Diddle Diddle Dumpling and The Bill were both yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, because, you know, I do enjoy them episodes. It's I, I, positive. I did want, I, there's so many I could have included. Like, so it, Trial of Elizabeth Gadge, I've rewatched things and it's becoming a firm favourite because it's, it's so funny. There are lines that you miss that you completely just miss on first go and they're amazing and death not be proud. Oh. I think like what we were saying earlier though, like, you know, rewatching so I've rewatched the entire yeah, same. six seasons in advance of doing this to yeah. make sure that I picked the right episode. Mm-hmm. And I got so a lot more out of a lot of them this time than I did the first time because the first time I watched them it was all about the twist. Whereas this time it's all about the story leading up to the twist mm. and all the little hints yeah. and clues we were given as to what was going to happen yeah. in them. Um, so it's perfect. Perfect series. The well one, done. The ones where they break the mould and push this style are always interesting. Well, they might not always land like A Quiet Night Inn and Hotel Zanzibar and the Italian clown one that they did. At oh, the heist. Yes. yes the he- Wuthering heist. Wuthering heist. I love so, that one. So they're complete, completely different styles that break from what you'll normally see anyone in the UK do. I so I like I love Hotel Zanzibar. Oh, I love that fan. That I have big pantometer, pantometer, pantometer. Mm. Speaking in rhyme. Yes. <laughs> Must have just looked confused at me. That was <laughs> awesome. I always look confused at you. What you do? Anyway. Yeah. So that was our inside number nine episode. Um, for the benefit of the lady who contacted us about our email address i guess we'll give it yeah 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 we'll give them we'll give everyone the socials they can all have them we don't we don't play favorites here if you want to get in contact with us you can do you can reach us on both twitter and instagram at spit grades we are i spit on your grades on facebook and if you do need to email us for any reason if you have a community already you want to contact us about and you don't can't find our address on our website which we don't have, you can always reach us at electricpossums at gmail.com. So please get in contact. We'll put the poll out as well for our choices of best inside the mine episode for you to vote on. So please let us know what you voted for and why. And still keep letting us know your favourite episodes. Because there are so many you could pick from. Exactly. And please don't forget the rate, review and subscribe as well because every little does help. Uh, Yes, I guess that all that needs to be said is um, goodbye. Goodbye. Good tag.